This message is brought to you by the Church of Pentecost Cyprus. As you listen, may it build faith in your heart, inspire hope in your life, and fill you with God's amazing love. Enjoy the message. I want to quickly conclude my series on the kingdom. And today I'm speaking on a message I have titled, The Promise of the Father. The Promise of the Father. The Promise of the Father. Um, the implication of that title is that, or that God has made a promise to us, and God is not a man that he should fail, or that he should lie. And if God promises you something, one, be sure that he will deliver it, and two, be sure that it is a good thing. Because the Bible says only good and perfect gifts comes from above. The promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. When you search through scriptures, you will come across this scripture or this thing about the promise of the Father. And I want to read, I want us to read it in a few places very quickly. And then we would go on with the message. Luke 24 verse 49. Luke 24 verses 49. 49, 49. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. This morning, may you receive the promise of the Father in the name of Jesus says, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then let's go to Galatians 3. Read verse 13 to 14. Galatians 3 verses 13 to 14. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 14. That a blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So he's saying that the whole reason why Jesus came to become a curse and to die on the cross is so that you may receive the blessing of Abraham. Then he goes on to explain what the blessing of Abraham is. That you and I may receive the Spirit through faith. That you and I may receive the Spirit through faith. So when we talk about the promise of the Father, in essence, the promise of the Father is that for anyone who receives him and follows him, he promised to give them the Spirit. And he says it is through faith. That means you don't have to work for it. The only thing that qualifies you to receive this promise is your faith, your reliance, your trust in Jesus. And if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, then you are a perfect candidate to receive this promise of the Father. Acts 2 verses 38. Acts chapter 2 verses 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, when we talk about the kingdom, one of the things that is promised to those who are willing to submit or want to come into the kingdom is this thing of the promise of the Father or the gift of the Holy Spirit. And why is the Holy Spirit so important? Why is the gifting of the Holy Spirit so necessary and so important to our lives? There is a verse in Romans 14 verses 17 which explains why. Why does God intend to give us this promise? Or does God intend to give us this Holy Spirit? Why is the receiving of the Holy Spirit so necessary and so important in our lives? Romans 14 verses 17. And I read it from the contemporary English version. Contemporary English version. Romans 14 verses 17. It says, God's kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. It is about pleasing God about living in peace and about true happiness so he says god's kingdom is not about eating and drinking it's about three things pleasing god pleasing god living in peace and thirdly about true happiness all this comes from the holy spirit all this comes from the Holy Spirit. So the person who wants to please God, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can help you do that. The person who wants true joy or true happiness, it is only the Holy Spirit that can give you that. And the person who wants to live in peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace in all situations, peace in an extent where Daniel is in the lion's den, Hungry lions, and the man can comfortably be at peace in that place. Peace where the three Hebrew boys are thrown into a burning furnace, and they are comfortable in that place. That means there is a peace that God gives that the world cannot give you. One thing COVID has taught us is that this world is shakable. I told you that the kingdom we belong to is unshakable. And if you are to receive that peace, that makes you stable and unshakable, it is only through the Holy Spirit. Only through the Holy Spirit. When we talk about pleasing God, the Bible says, if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. From the beginning of Adam and Eve, or from the start of creation till now, all men have been seeking, or all believers have been seeking to please God. And we have seen from time to time, how by their own strength they have failed, they have tried, they have failed, they have tried, they have failed. And the promise of the Father is that for those who want to enter this kingdom, he knows that you can't please him by your own strength. So he makes available the Holy Spirit to help you please God. And he talks about true happiness. True happiness. There is joy that is unspeakable. One of the most blessed um, um, portions of scripture in our books in the Bible is the book of Philippians. Now the book of Philippians, when you read it, there's one phrase or one word that keeps coming up a lot in there, which is rejoice. 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 Have joy. Have joy. Rejoice. Rejoice. 
And the person who writes this letter is Paul. And at this point where he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, he is in prison. He is in prison. And he writes to people who are free. And he tells them that he's rather comforted them and tell them to have joy. I might be in physical chains or in physical prison, but there is nothing this world can do to take away my joy and my peace. Because for as long as I am in Christ Jesus, there is a fountain of peace, there is a fountain of joy that overflows in my heart. That overflows in my heart. That it doesn't matter where I appear to be physically, my joy has not been taken away. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. Other translations says, talks about or use the three words, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. When we talk about righteousness, it simply means pleasing God. Living a life that pleases God. In the Old Testament, you see men, much effort being made by human beings to try to please God through the law. Through the observation of the law. Through the observation of sacrifices and all those other things. But they still fell short of the glory of God. In the New Testament, we see that as well. Where people try. And God says that, I know you can't. But true peace or true righteousness comes through faith. And it is only the Spirit that can help you. It is only the Spirit that can help you. That means the lifestyle or the culture of the kingdom, how we do things in the kingdom, how we live in the kingdom, how we behave in the kingdom, how we talk in the kingdom, how we eat in the kingdom, what we eat and what we do, it is only the Holy Spirit that can teach you. Now, during colonization, when the countries took over a nation, one of the first things they did was to bring a governor into the country. And when they brought the governor, the governor has to be someone who has lived in the host country before. He understands the culture. He understands how things are done in that nation. And so when he comes into another country that has been taken over by their kingdom or their nation, his job is to make sure, is to teach everyone in that new place how things are done in the other place. The kind of food they eat in the other place, um, how they talk, how they dress, and all of those things. Example, when the British colonized many parts of Africa, one of the things they did was to bring us how to, or they brought us the Western way of dressing. That wasn't our way. They wanted us to be like them. They, were, they also changed names. They told you that you have to have, you have to put your local name aside. Then they gave you what? Names like what? Steve. And then what else? Arthur. Yes. What else? Johnson. There we go. Uh, Michael Brown. That's right. You see, so... <laughs> El, there we go. <laughs> they told you that, no. Being called Yao. Kofi. Being called Babatunde. <laughs> Being called Uche. No, put that one aside. What will make you properly recognized person is to have a name like Brown or Winnie or <laughs> So their role was to influence you to teach you to train you to be like a British even though you've not been to Britain 
Then they brought the common law or the legal system as it's in England over there. Cyprus was colonized by the UK. And the law that they practice here is pretty much just like England. But the issue is that the law they practice here is like England back then. Since independence, they've not really changed their laws. They're still holding on to the old laws. But, <laughs> but that is what it is. So the legal system, as it was in England, is also brought in there. Um, the education system is also brought in there. And everything that the governor does is he seeks to colonize and change your thinking. His job, the governor, is to change the thinking of the people, the language of the people, the priorities of the people, the desires of the people, the dressing of the people to a point where they look like people from the host nation. Once he has done that, the governor's job is what? Done. In the same way, the Holy Spirit works as a governor in our lives. You see, he resides or is from heaven. He knows the culture of heaven. He knows the ways of heaven. He knows the language of heaven. He knows everything about heaven. And his job on earth is to colonize you and I. Is to equip us. Is to train us so that we will look exactly like heavenly citizens. So, that is the role of the Holy Spirit. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. His job is to teach you the language of heaven. To teach you how a kingdom system behaves. How they talk. How they deal with things. How they move. What they eat. And all of those things. So you see that the work is in two parts. God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Because it's only the Holy Spirit who can teach us really how to be like him. He's the governor on earth. But before he can do that, he must first purchase us. Just as a kingdom would first conquer a land and capture the people. After they've captured the people, then the governor is brought in. In the same way, Christ came to die on the cross to purchase us, to pay the price necessary so that we will qualify to receive this governor who is the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about a governor, a governor is someone who is to rule over, who is to rule over. And why is the governor necessary? Why is the promise of the Holy Spirit of the Father necessary for the life of the believer? Three main ministries of the Holy Spirit. Three main ministries of the Holy Spirit. When you open up and allow him in, three main ministries of the Holy Spirit. He will be with you. He will be in you. And thirdly, he will be upon you. He will be with you. He will be in you. And thirdly, he will be upon you. Please repeat after me. He will be with you. He will be in you. And he will be upon you. Three main assignments that the Holy Spirit has on earth. With you. Now the Holy Spirit is in the world. And he's with, he's with everyone here. Let's read John 16 verses 18. Sorry, John 16 verses 8 rather. John 16 verses 8. And when he comes, 
This is Jesus speaking about the promise of the Father, Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit is in the world. And one of his main things or ministries he's doing is that he is convicting. That means breaking people's hearts and causing us to realize that we have fallen short of the glory of God. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict every heart and every soul that all have fallen sin, uh, um, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that conviction is not just for believers, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I think I've told you the story before of some years ago, someone told me that when they go to church, um, they don't, there's, there's no power in the church anymore because they don't feel guilty about their sins when they go to church. And they, they want to go to church and feel guilty and feel the, the guilt and the weight of their sins. And therefore, they blamed it that the, on the leadership of the church that there is no fire in the church. And I was saddened to hear that because, you see, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in the world. So when the thought of sin or temptation comes your way, the first task is the Holy Spirit will prick you. He will convict you. You ignore that conviction. When you're doing or in the act of sin, the Holy Spirit is still convicting you. You ignore it. After you have sinned, he is convicting you. You ignore it. And then, so if you miss all these things and then you then come to church and you don't feel anything and you're expecting to feel it here and when you were sinning, you didn't feel the conviction, then that person's already dead. Because the Holy Spirit is not just here. The moment the temptation comes your way, every single person knows when they are doing wrong. You don't need a meeting like this for you to start feeling that what I'm doing is wrong. When the thoughts came to your mind, you didn't have that conviction. When you were doing it, you didn't have that conviction. After you did it, you didn't have that conviction. Then you're already dead. Heart is already gone. Heart is already gone. But that is the job of the Holy Spirit. His job is to convict everyone. To convict everyone. There are some who, their sins are not the sins of the hands, but the sins of the heart. In the sense that they look at other people whose sins are outward and they have pride and they compare. And then they have things like, oh, I'm better than that person. At least I'm not doing what they're doing. The thoughts and the things that they have. And, he, and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict that person as well for that person to realize that all have fallen short of the glory of God. The next aspect is to convict the world that the only way to receive righteousness is to place faith in Jesus Christ. That your own efforts cannot make you right with God. That if you do a lot of good deeds, it does not negate the bad things you do. You can't do a thousand and one good things and then do um, a thousand bad things and think that because you have a credit of one, you're a good person. No. 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 So the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of righteousness. That we need to be right with God. That there is a need to, to live right with God. And then the next thing is the Holy Spirit is also with us to convict us of judgment. 
that there is a day coming. Bible says, it is appointed unto every man to die once. And after that, judgment. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. To convict everyone that there is a day coming where the things you have done on this earth, you will give an account for it. That is the work. So he is with us to do that. He is with us to do that. Then, he comes in us. So the moment where he does or he brings that conviction strong in our hearts, what he seeks to do is to create a thirst in your heart, to break your heart and cause you to want to seek the Lord, to want you to seek a Savior. Then when you humble yourself and um, um, submit to the Savior, what he does is he comes to dwell in you. He comes to dwell in you. Anyone who gives their life to Jesus Christ receives the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That means he moves into your heart. He moves in to live inside of you. He places his mark upon you. Yesterday, during the seminar, we were being uh, spoken to about two marks that Revelation speaks about. One is the mark of the beast, and then there is also the mark of believers. There is the mark of the beast, and there is the mark of believers, or the mark of Christ. The mark of the beast is the 666 which the Antichrist will give to those who submit to him, to all those who bow down and worship to the Antichrist. Then there is the mark of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, which Jesus also gives to all those who submit to him and also bow down to him. And we're told that you cannot have two. You either have one or the other. Either the mark of Christ or the mark of the beast. You will either receive the mark of Christ or the mark of the beast. I pray that you all receive the mark of Christ in the name of Jesus. So he comes in us. He comes in us. Let's read Titus 3 verses 5. Titus 3 verses 5. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, he renews you. He makes you born again. He makes you a child of God. He makes you a property of God. He saves you. Salvation takes place when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. When we do that, we receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the renewal that comes from the Holy Spirit. John 14 verses 26. John 14, 26. John 14, 26. But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. So when he comes in you, one of his duties is to help you and to also teach you. He will teach you all things. Teach you how a Christian should talk. How a Christian should behave. He will teach you everything you need to know about life and godliness. If you want to know how to live right. If you want to know what to do next. If you want to know what life should, what, you should, what God has planned for you. If you want to know your purpose in life. He says that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things all things when he comes in us he does another thing he's a seal Ephesians 1 verses 13 Ephesians 1 13 
This is what the scripture says about what the Holy Spirit does. In him you also trusted. After you heard of the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So what God does is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. He seals you. He seals you. And a seal is a sign of ownership. So he places his mark on you to tell everyone that this person belongs to me. Belongs to me. Seal is also protection. You seal something so that air doesn't get in or it doesn't become contaminated. So in essence, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, when you receive Jesus Christ, he protects you. That is why John is able to say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because once he comes into you, then he protects you. He protects you. And seal is also a sign that you have been purchased. He places the seal on you as a sign of ownership, as a sign that you have been purchased and that you belong to him. Then, the next thing he does when he's in us. John 16 verses 13. John 16 verses 13. John 16 verses 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Are there people here who want to know things to come? What 2021 will be like? What will happen in their future? It says it is the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not the job of a prophet to tell you that. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. And he's available to you. He can tell you things to come. And it says when he comes and dwells in you, he will lead you into all truth. All truth. All truth. You see, there can be many facts, but there's only one truth. Many facts. Facts can change, but the truth doesn't change. Facts can change based on the circumstances. But when it comes to the truth, irrespective of the circumstances, the truth is the truth. And there is a truth about you. There is a truth about you. There is something that is uh, specific about you that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. No one knows the truth about you. Even you yourself, see, sometimes we don't even know who God has made us. Many of us don't understand who God has made us. You don't understand the blessings and the authority and the places he has placed you now in, in terms of spiritually once you've given your life to him. And he say, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he will teach you. He will open your eyes. He will cause you to realize. I told you last week that you should come to a point where, you see, you don't pray all night about witches and demons. You are past that level. You are past that level. Uh, there was one man who was speaking once and he said, you see, when you read the gospel account and you read of Jesus going around healing people and doing so many things, you place yourself in one or two positions. You either place yourself in the position of those who are sick and those who are in need of those kind of things, or you place yourself in the position of Jesus who is walking doing those things. You either place yourself in one of two positions. When you are in Christ Jesus, the spirit of Jesus is in you. So your position has now changed. 
You don't walk like I told you last week. The, you see, the crumbs at the floor is no longer for you. You are now qualified to sit at the table and eat the bread and eat the meat and eat every good thing that Jesus is eating at his table. But if your mind is not renewed, if you don't come to understand who you are in Christ Jesus, who you are and your identity, you will always live like a slave and a beggar. He says, speak to the mountain, the mountain shall be moved. He has given you that authority. But if you don't know, you'll be calling a pastor to come and speak to your mountain for you. You'll be calling someone to come and speak to the mountain for you. He says, no, you now have that authority. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to teach you the truth about you. He's also supposed to teach you the truth about God. He's supposed to teach you the truth about God. It is the Holy Spirit who will teach you who God is. What God is like. The love of God. He will fill your heart with the love of God. With an understanding of who God is and how God, how God does his things. The truth about God. Many people have many theories. are saying so many things about God. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to teach you the truth about God. So, he comes to be with you. When the governor comes, he will come and be with you. And when he comes and he walks amongst you, he will convict you and point out, no, this is wrong. This is not right. This is wrong. That's not how you should live. You shouldn't do that. No. There is a judgment coming. Then when you humble yourself and you receive him, he comes and dwells in you. And he changes you. He renovates your heart. He opens your eyes to now see who you are. He changes your speech. He changes your desires. He changes everything within you. Bible says, for it is he who gives us the will and the desire to do of his good pleasures. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You want to do of God's good pleasures. It is he who gives you the will and desire. See, Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then he goes on to say, for it is he who gives you the will and desire to do of his good pleasures. He doesn't say work for. He says work out. That means at the point of salvation, Christ has put salvation... Uh, Christ has come and indwell you. So now there's something that has been placed in you. Now it must be brought out. And he says he will teach you how to bring that thing out. How to manifest the kingdom in your life. That is his job. That is his job. Then the third, as I'm summarizing, the third component of his ministry is to be upon you. To be upon you. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He comes upon you to empower you. To empower you. He comes upon you to empower you. To fill you with his strength. To fill you with his ability. To fill you his, with his wisdom. He comes upon you to empower you. To give you so much grace. So much power. That things you cannot do with your own strength, you will now begin to do it. We saw some few weeks ago when I was talking about Samson, how he was tied with a rope. And then when the Holy Spirit came powerfully upon him, all of a sudden the rope became like um, loose ropes on him. And he rose up and took a dead donkey's, donkey's jawbone and killed a thousand men. What gave him that ability? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. How to live right, how to study, how to do your business, how to work, how to have a successful career. 
the grace and the power you need, it comes from the Holy Spirit. So in summarizing his ministry, one, he's with you. His job as a governor is with you. He's with you to convict you, to lead you to Christ. Then secondly, he's in you. He comes in you to change you, to transform you, to cause you to be like Christ. So the second one is about you becoming, you becoming. He's focused on making you a person, someone who is just like Christ. Then the third one is he comes to be upon you, and upon you is to enable you to do. So he wants you to become and to be able to do. To become and be able to do. He wants you to be like Christ and also be able to do the things that Christ did. That is the job and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is made available to all. To all. Everyone who wants to live the life of the kingdom. Everyone who wants to experience true righteousness, which is a life of pleasing God. Everyone who wants to experience true joy. Joy. Everyone who wants to experience true peace. The Holy Spirit is available. All you have to do is humble yourself and ask. All you have to do is humble yourself and ask. And don't be content until you have more of him. Until you are overflowing with more of him. So this morning, how content are you? How much of the governor have you allowed to influence and change you? Until you look like heaven, the Holy Spirit is not finished with you. Until you're experiencing heaven on earth, the Holy Spirit is not finished with you. He doesn't want you to come to heaven before you start experiencing heaven. That's an error. You are to experience heaven here. It doesn't matter what others are experiencing for you. You must experience heaven here. So we can't end this message without giving you an opportunity to make things right with God. If you would like to do so, then I would humbly ask you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I confess that I have fallen short of your expectations. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. Today, I accept the forgiveness and the salvation that Jesus offers. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Come live in me. Come change me. Come help me to live a life that pleases you. This I have prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you have prayed this prayer for the first time, then congratulations. Um, you have taken the first step to making things right with God. We would encourage you to get in touch with us on any of our social media handles and we will help you to grow in your relationship with God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he prosper you and be gracious and kind to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like to know more or have any questions, please contact us by email at info at copcypress.org or on any of our social media platforms at the COP Cypress. God bless you.